Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world, welcome to the show. This is the Millennial Millionaire Podcast, and I am your host, Stephen Cohen. This podcast is focused on bringing some of the wisest minds from across the globe to discuss concepts, strategies, and ideals that will lead them to be top performers in their respective industries and their lives. This show is for the millennials and millennials at heart to transcend their mindset, their health, and their income to the next level. We are so excited to have you on this journey with us. Welcome to the show. Yo, 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 welcome back to the show, Millennial Millionaires. Today, stoked for our special guest, we have Mr. Mo Capital. Uh, Mo is an accomplished entrepreneur who's built a diverse portfolio of businesses over the years. He began his career buying and placing ATMs throughout Miami and earning a profit through transition fees, transaction fees. With a keen eye for opportunity and dedicated hard work, he quickly expanded into multiple different businesses, e-commerce, automation, uh, which led to creating multiple businesses and running his own exotic car and rideshare automation companies. One thing about Mo that's awesome is he has his hands in so many different industries and so many different companies, but he's effectively dominating and he's figured out a very keen way in order to automate that and take them all to the next level. So excited to hear his wisdom and thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it, bro. So let's let's start. I know we were talking a little bit about uh, before the show, but tell us a little bit about how you got into entrepreneurship, where you started and where you are right now. So, you know... Like everyone else, I had a nine-to-five job for like 10 years since I was like 17. Um, and I worked at Tesla. That was my last job. And I figured I was, you know, going to work this job, probably get a corporate job. And I had a degree for my criminal justice, which I later become became a police officer. Um, I didn't know that. That's sick, bro. Yeah. So I was a straight trooper. This is one. Um, I don't know if you know about Trayvon Martin. Uh that thing happened. Uh, so what happened is that the cops were basically uh, getting killed because they were cops. Mm. Because every the, the whole society was against cops. Uh, so two of our officers actually got killed uh, because of that reasons. Um, and then I decided to quit the force. Um, go on full entrepreneurship. So, I mean, I took the risk. I wasn't getting paid that much. I was only getting $35,000 a year. Uh, which is nothing in Miami, especially. You can't even buy an apartment. You know, all you can do is like rent an apartment. So what I did, I did some research like everyone else on YouTube. And I looked at this ad that was that said, oh, you could own your own ATM business. I didn't know that. I thought, you know, if you go to a grocery store at 7-Eleven, the banks owns the ATM. But it was actually individual, individual companies like you and me who own these ATMs. So if you ever went to like a bar, a strip club, or, or even a club, um, like a nightclub, they actually are owned by a business, mm. not banks. Uh, so I did the math in my head. I was like, each ATM costs about $2,500. A refurbished one costs about $1,500. And you can break even within five to six months, even on the low end if they were making two to $500 a month. So I decided to go full on. I had... Okay, credit about six ninety, and I had no money at that at that point. I saved a little bit of money, but it wasn't enough. Uh, what I did, I actually uh, fixed my credit up a little bit, and I applied for seven credit cards in one minute. Um, so there's a way to do that. Uh, it's like a sequence, and all those credit cards that I applied for was zero uh, percent interest rate, um, twelve to fifteen months. Mm. So, so basically, uh, applied for those, got fifty nine thousand within all those credit cards, and what I decided to do is buy ATMs with those uh, credit. So 
you know, a lot of people use credit as debt, as bad debt. So what I decided to do is open a business. And then after that, after I paid off all my cards, I decided to open a business line of credit. Bro, that's, uh, that's sick. And that wasn't this uh, too long ago, right? This is back in... Yeah, back in 2019. It's crazy because yeah. when I first met you and as I've seen your journey, it feels like you've been into this space of entrepreneurship and, uh, you know, lifestyle marketing for a really long time. Yeah. So you really haven't been in the space that long, but to see your growth and your progression um, in such a short amount of time is, is really, really cool. What do you think has... Uh, contributed to your fast success because, you know, like myself, I've been doing direct sales for over 10 years and a lot of people have been hammering on their craft for a really long time. What do you think allowed you to go from maximizing your credit card debt to being able to live the lifestyle you do right now? Um, I think it's all about consistency and hunger. Um, you know, I always got the job I wanted. I never got fired from a job. And as I dived into the entrepreneurship space. I knew I could do it because there's a lot of people that doesn't make it. And I was like watching YouTube videos. And that's one of the things actually really helped me out. I was watching Jake Paul. I was watching Logan Paul, all these like dumb kids making videos and making millions of dollars. But in the end, they were actually really smart. So I, I told myself if these kids could do it. I could do it too. So that's why I really focused on it just, being consistent with wherever I'm going. You know, a lot of people give up like like door-to-door -door sales, right, for like solar. If they knock 100 doors, they get, you know, 99% no and one yes. But a lot of people quit at 50, at 80 doors, you know. So that's the key. Staying consistent, I think consistent is best thing you can do right now. Totally. Have you always had this entrepreneurship? I know, you know, obviously, you know, you're working as a police officer and then you made the transition. Was entrepreneurship always something that you thought you would be doing or did it come from straight necessity of not living the lifestyle you want and realizing you have to make a change? So where I come from, basically everybody is an entrepreneur. Uh, so based in, back in Dubai, uh, when I lived there, uh, my dad, he was an entrepreneur over there. Uh, he was also in the military. And when he came to the States, he actually bought, within three years coming to the States, he bought his first uh, 7-Eleven, uh, which was pretty cool. I looked up to him for that and actually worked at that store at the age of 12 and just helping him out and things. Um, and then, you know, I, was, I, I looked up to him a lot to where he started and then now coming to a different country within three years and starting a whole different business. So it, it, was, pre it was pretty crazy for me. And then at school, I used to actually sell candies and juice uh, in high school. Uh, I used to play soccer, so I used to have a duffel bag. I used to sell, like, candies and everything just to try to make a little bit of money. Sharpening those sales skills yeah. from an early age, man. Yeah. That's awesome. The more people I talk to, the more people that I realize that come from, you know, a different country or somewhere else, they almost have, like, this chip on their shoulder to, you know, make it big and, you know, where maybe someone that came from a little bit comfier of a situation that doesn't have that same drive and desire, to your point, doesn't have that same level of consistency. Yeah. What made you decide, I know obviously from straight necessity, but to go max out, you know, eight, nine, 10 credit cards and hope that something's going to work is a very scary and vulnerable feeling. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that because of where you came from, you had that chip on the shoulder that you were willing to take that risk or, or where does that ability from risk come from? Um, I think it comes from um, with the age, you know, I was getting older. I was about like 26 at the time. Um, and I looked at myself, I'm like, I do have a degree, like everyone told me to go to school and now I have a degree that's 
you know, not what anything. For sure. Not <laughs> so, worth the paper. Yeah, not worth the on. paper. I spent a lot of money on it, you know. Um, and I think it came with the age where I learned from experience and I was like, I need to do something with my life. Why don't I have $100,000 saved up in my bank account? I'm about, about to be 27. And I took that leap and I did, you know, all my research, you know, so that way, like, I'm not going to fail in this business. If my ATM business doesn't work, I'm going to take those ATMs and put it somewhere else, mm. you know? Uh, so I took the risk. Uh, I knew I was able to accomplish that business and make some money on it. Totally. No, yeah. that's, that's super cool. So you obviously did well with the ATMs, mm-hmm. you know, you paid off the credit cards. That was really your first big win in entrepreneurship, which I'm sure yeah. got you, you know, confidence. And you're like, oh man, this is something I can do. What happened after that? Because you don't do ATMs anymore. You have your mm-hmm. hands in a lot of different things. So there's obviously a big jump from where you were with ATMs to, to where you are now. Yeah. So I basically built up the business to up to 43 ATMs. And I was able to sell the location with the contract. And I took that money to uh, e-commerce. Uh, I knew e-commerce was booming. I looked at Shopify. I looked at Amazon. I looked at eBay. I first started on eBay. And then I saw that, you know, the customer service and, and the eBay was just kind of going down at this point. And then Amazon was the next big thing. And I knew Amazon was there for like years, right? And... I saw the opportunity and I started drop shipping on there. At the beginning, I did drop shipping because it was easy. I used to buy a product from Walmart for $20. I was able to sell it for $29.99 on Amazon platform. So that was basically drop shipping from any other retailers I could find, like even Home Depot. Mm. Yeah. That's cool, man. So do you feel like timing had a big play in your early success? I mean, you mentioned preparation, which I feel like just from hearing your early story, you were very prepared. You know, you knew exactly what you're getting into. You know, most people, when they try something, they just try it and hope the best. And they never really put in that due diligence or that preparation. How important was timing in, again, the dropshipping and ATM versus just straight preparation and desire to make it happen? Yeah. Timing is, I think, very important. Um, you know, you got to know when to get in and get out, right? Like, for example, right now, like, you can't do dropshipping on Amazon anymore because they banned it. Mm. So then I transitioned to FBA, which is basically like wholesale and selling from suppliers. So I would say, like, you have to get in when in, it's in early, right? Like, a lot of people say, hey, like, don't do Amazon FBA right now. It's too, um, it's too saturated, right? A lot of people would say that, right? for any business right now and for you not even trying actually will cost you a lot of money. So I think timing is, it is very important. That's awesome, man. So I feel like you're just really good at a lot of the modern day income generating things. You know, my background is so different. I started in network marketing. That was my entrepreneurship, uh, the way I got kind of cut my teeth in the game and then went into straight direct sales. And that's really all I've been doing. So I haven't really dabbled into the online income game, but to just see the development and to see, like you mentioned, people like Logan Paul and Jake Paul and all these, you know, iconic, super successful people. There's so many opportunities in today's age to make money. 
Was that just something that you always knew that, hey, I just want to make money online. I know how to do it as long as I'm willing to do the research and model the people that are already making it happen? Or where did that come from to really focus on the online generation and make it happen? Because there's a lot of people that want to do good in dropshipping or try ATMs or do all these different avenues. It's very mainstream nowadays, but not many people actually make it big, let alone in one vehicle, let alone the multiple ones you've been able to do. Yeah. So one of the good things that like I really did is hire people that are my friends and good trusted people. I mean, you want to have friends that you can trust, right? Yeah. So I, yeah, put them on. So for example, my business partner, Naeem, he's a young kid. He's only 19. I met him when he was 18 and uh, he was doing a 40 shoot up of one of my cars. And I started hanging out with him, see like if he was like really about the hustle, right? Uh, If, if he had the mentality for it. So Hired him uh, for the business, and he eventually, like, took the business to another level. Um, I mean, he knows more about the business than me now, you know? So I think it's basically hopping on the trends at the right time and then know when to get out and hiring the right people. Eventually, what I do is that with those employees, I make them my business partner and have an equity in the business. Mm. So right now, for every one of my businesses, I uh, have one person that is dedicated basically seven days a week. Um, and what I do is, you know, ma- once I make them my business partner, they're able to, you know, quit their job if they had another job. So I take someone from who is working nine to five, having a six-figure business a year. Mm. How do you attract these people? Are these people that you're just out there finding or are you just naturally attracting them or are they networking events? Obviously, he was your friend, mm-hmm. but I could count on one hand, you know, when I first got started in business, people that I would feel like would be competent enough to partner with. But it seems like you have so many of them. How are you finding these people? I mean, as you know, like, especially in Vegas, friends come and go, right? Um, and I found people like, you know, networking events, for sure. Uh, and also just having meetings and going to podcasts. One of my business partners, we did a podcast together. And uh, later on that, on that week, we had lunch and decided to open a business together. So I think just networking itself, like knowing people, if you're very closed off and you're not really talking to, if you're not like a person that you can't talk to, you can't find people that's going to work with you, you know? Mm. So th- that's what my main thing is, uh, is uh, finding good people. And within five minutes sitting in a room with someone, I already know, like, if they're, like, really good people or not, you know? So mm. th- they have to have also, like, you know, that hustle, that grind mindset, too. How big has intuition been in your, your journey of success? Um, pretty big, man. Like, you know, it comes from, like, since I grew up, like, you know, uh, like my religion too, like we have to stay really true to our religion. Uh, you know, I was, uh, when I was growing up with my parents, I used to have to pray like five times a day, you know? So, you know, they taught me a lot. I think especially my mom taught me a lot about intuition, like, you know, difference between good and bad people and, and finding just like really good people that you could connect with. Um, you know, I also believe in, uh, you know, when I moved to the States, like I had no ma- no family. So my friends became my family, mm. you know? So strangers become your family is, 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 a, is a quote that I really follow. Mm. Yeah, I love what you said there. You know, I feel like I've talked about this before, but one of the best life hacks that I could give someone 
because it made the biggest impact in my life was moving away from your home, moving away from your comfort zone, you know, physically moving away from your old life because it forces you to be resourceful. It forces you uh, to make friends with people that maybe you wouldn't have the desire to because you have your own network and, and comfortability. How big or what skill sets do you think or, or principles um, that serve you today have you learned from moving multiple different times to multiple different countries to multiple different cities? Um, I think it made a big impact. So when I was growing up, um, going to high school, I was a very shy person. Um, I was a kid like, you know, I was the smallest kid in my high school. So I was always being picked on. Um, I was, you know, bullied here and there. But I, I, I'm thankful for that because I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't get bullied in high school. Mm. To be honest, it made me stronger. So in my head, in one day, I was like, the people that bully me will probably work for me someday. Let's go. <laughs> you know, that's a mindset I had. But now, like, it kind of made me stronger, like, to go out there. And, um, like, living in different cities, like, made me come out of my comfort zone. You know, I had to make friends. And um, one of the jobs that I really had to get out of my comfort zone was working at the Apple store. Uh, you know, I was, like I said, I was really shy. And I had to talk to every single customer that approached me. So I, I became really good at sales and, and actually, like, able to tell about the products and actually sell them on it. So that was one of the, the main things I think I did. Um, like basically get out of my comfort zone. But one of the things that I want to say, anyone who is watching this, if, you, if you're living at home, you know, living with your parents or living in the same city, you definitely have to get out after, especially 21, you know? You definitely have to get out there, go move to a different state or move to a different city because you'll realize, like, there's so much opportunities there. And if you get out of your comfort zone, you realize either you're going to be homeless or you have to make it. So that's one of the scary things you have to push your limits to because once you do that and you can make it out and actually pay for your own rent and pay for your own things, your own car, you could do anything after that. You know, you just have to grind more. I couldn't agree more, man. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, you know, good is the enemy of great. And most people, you know, we know so many people that maybe we grew up with or friends or even people that we meet that, you know, have all these big goals or they want to accomplish all these big things. But a year goes by, two years go by, three years go by and nothing changes. It's because they're not changing. They're not putting themselves in a vulnerable situation to see what they're made of. So great, great point. Yeah. Second thing I'll touch on that. I love what you said, you know, Similar to you, I was very shy and timid and self-conscious growing up in middle school and high school. It wasn't really until I got to college that I started developing like decent social skills, yeah. but I'm grateful for that. I think Ed Milet says this, that typically the people who are crushing it in business, the people that are ultra good communicators, who are great speakers, great presenters, those are the people that were super shy and timid and weren't naturally gifted Therefore, they have to really be intentional and work on themselves and develop that skill set. That's why they are the person they are today. And they're so good. You know, it's about turning the things that you were weak in and embracing that and seeing it as something that is positive and shifting that and using that as the armor that will allow you to move forward. Yeah, so I really I, yeah, I definitely I definitely agree with that because, you know, there's a lot of people that lives in the Midwest of the United States and they only know the information they know, right? Like, they don't learn anything new. Let's say if they move to California, Miami, or Vegas, uh, you know, they're able to learn so much more about the world because I feel like it's so, like, uh, stagnant there 
that you know they're gonna work their nine to like nine to five until they're fifty six years old. Like for example, like one of my friends that I uh, flew out from back home, uh, I went to uh, uh, Cancun, and you know I was like, hey, let's go to the Amex Lounge, and he's like, there's a lounge here at the airport. I'm like, yeah, it's free. I mean, it's, <laughs> you could just use your uh, Amex Platinum card and get in, and it's like bunch of food there and you can sleep there and i was like i didn't know that information so if he lived in like you know cities like this and met people he would have known that information right or social media but he's only following the people in michigan or like you know within that within that uh state so it's just about like going out there learning new things i think it's like that's why you have to move out Mm. Touch on that a little bit more yeah. because I know you, at least your background from what I know about you, you know, you were, you came from Dubai, mm-hmm. uh, you lived in Miami for a little bit and obviously yeah. you live in Vegas, three extremely high energy, you know, very fast paced cities. Yeah. How do you feel like that has benefited you in your life? I think that taught me a lot about people. Um, you know, I w- first, one of the first thing is I learned is that there's a lot of fake people in this world. Uh, you know, I had friends that I'm not friends with anymore. Um, you know, I had to leave friends behind because I was growing, right? Um, one of the things, uh, another thing that I learned is that, you know, you can't have anyone to hold you back, even a relationship. So I was in an eight-year relationship in Miami. Um, I had to leave that behind because I was growing, and that relationship was kind of stopping me from growing. Mm. And I realized, like, I wanted to grow in my life and I had to let that go. So that's one of the hardest things I ever did in coming into entrepreneurship is leaving a relationship for eight years, you know? Um, but I, I'm glad I did that because I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't leave that. Mm, that's know? that's tough, man. Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm going on eight years, uh, you know, with my girlfriend. So yeah. I know how much, you know, depth and connection you have mm-hmm. when someone is in your life that long. Yeah. But to your point, you know, this is an Instagram quote, but I think it's so true. You have to be willing to give up your old life to create your new life. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't willing to shed their relationships because they're so connected to their old identity Mm -hmm. and they're almost losing a part of them. If they let go of, I don't want to use the word toxic, but not congruent to where they want to go relationships or characteristics or habits. But the only way to grow, the only way to go to the next level, the only way to make more money and create more impact and happiness and fulfillment is to allow that part of yourself to almost die so you can almost rebirth in this sort of phoenix type of mentality yeah so i really love that yeah i definitely agree i mean there's relationships where you can grow together like for example right now the girl i'm dating right now she has two different businesses she runs and she still works at nine to five which is pretty amazing i was like in my earlier era like that's what i did you know so there's people that you can actually grow with so it's not all bad how, on that on that topic, how important yeah. is is having a significant other that supports you and that you're on the same page with for business success? I think it is really. I think that's one of the really key important things. Like if you look at any successful people, like Grant Cardone, right? His wife and his kids like supports him. Uh, Bradley, same thing. Uh, even like Libra King, as you can see, he's he's he has a good support. I think. If you don't don't have that key component, you can actually lose yourself, mm. and l- not just lose yourself in business. You can actually lose yourself as a person. 
So that's why I think it's the most important thing when it comes to entrepreneurship. Love that. Yeah. Before before we, we started the show, uh, you know, you were talking about your experience in L.A., which I didn't know. You actually lived with Logan Paul for a little bit. Yeah. Tell me about that experience, man. Obviously, Logan Paul right now is, you know, one of the most iconic millennials probably in the world. Yeah. Um, him and his brother Jake are, mm-hmm. are absolutely tearing it up. You know, love him or hate him. You're talking about him. Yeah. Tell, tell us about that experience and what you learned from that and just how that whole thing transpired. Yeah, I mean, uh, I lived with my good friend, who man, who connected to me, Logan Paul. Uh, we did actually marketing for Logan Paul uh, from anything from his like Instagram to all, all through his Snapchat and social media uh, platforms. It was pretty fun, um, you know. Um, it was you know all the crazy parties and you know getting flown out to different states and cities uh, for different things. It was pretty cool. Um, you know, I flew on a private jet first time with him, so. It was a pretty cool experience. Um, living in LA is kind of like you never know who you're gonna meet, right? Uh, for example, like Dan Dan Valzerian's parties, like saw celebrities, right? So when I went there, you know they were charging thirty k uh, each person, Jeez. just just for any regular people, right? Girls or guys? Uh, guys just only. Guys. Yeah, Makes sense. I mean, girls, you have to have like a lot of followers. You have to be known, sure. you know. Uh, and I was able to go to that party for free because of Logan Paul, and that was such a cool experience because I'm never the person if I see a, like a famous person, I'll be like, oh, can I take a photo? I only do that with Gary Vee, by the way. That's I'll cry if I see Gary Vee, but yeah, that was cool to see like how you know people that are like you know the one percent, I would say, uh, kind of behave in a party. <laughs> form you know uh and i met a lot of connections i was actually like i told myself i'm not gonna drink that day because i want to just get like numbers from like different people and network with them so so what i did recently is that one of the contacts i had from that party i was able to close acquire an only management company so right now like i was able to do that because i had that old connection you know so it was kind of pretty it was kind of good because knowing that, you know, you just have a number to connect with someone from someone from a party that you went to like two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. Obviously, L.A. is its own little ecosystem, but mm-hmm. it's cool, man. Like going from being a police officer to dabbling in entrepreneurship and getting some wins to then, you know, living with and spending time with and being able to model and observe you know, one of the most successful, you know, young people of our generation right now. What do you think was the biggest takeaway being around that high level of success? I, it's a lot of work. Um, You know, you might see, uh, you know, 10 to 15 minutes video that he did, but there's a lot of work that goes into it from anything from making the content, right? Editing it. And also like having the things that you need to make that video that day. So the day uh, when I was when I was living with him, he did blogs every single day. So they had to be planned out precisely, or that didn't that didn't go in the video, you know, or that video didn't happen. So you have to like shoot every single day, push out the content, and it was a lot of work. So he had like, about three editors editing about you know six to eight hours a day. Um, and one of the most important thing that I learned is that, you know, like I said before, being consistent. So, you know, it's really hard too for the person to make a blog every single day because they have to put in that work. They have to show up. No matter who you are, you have to show up at 8 a.m. and shoot content and get everything ready. Mm. Yeah. What do you think is more important, marketing or sales? 
in my opinion, I think both play hand to hand. Um, you know, you could have a good marketing team, but if you don't have anyone doing the sales for it, it's not going to close. But if you don't have good marketing, nobody's going to take a sales call, you know? So I think it goes hand to hand for sure. Mm. What does marketing look like? Because I know that's really not where you started, but that mm. was a, a big arrow in your quiver in your journey of entrepreneurship. Yeah. What do you think your biggest value proposition was to these influencers and super successful people when it came to marketing? Because I had Dylan, Dylan Vanis on the show mm -hmm. two or three uh, weeks ago, who me and you both know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he said something that I thought was super profound. He says that super successful people want to be influencers and influencers want to be super successful people. Yeah. And we're living in a weird time right now where you know, it doesn't necessarily matter how much money you have. People are looking for the exposure, the attention and the clout. Yeah. So in today's age, what does marketing look like with social media and everything going on right now? Uh, so marketing right now, like, you know, I have, I would say like, okay, Instagram, right? I get about three to 5,000 story bees a day. Uh, if I go on vacation, I get more, right? So one of the things that I found about marketing is that people watch your stories on Instagram, like a Netflix show. There's a start, a climax, and an ending, right? So how I do my content is exactly like that because um, when it comes to like people watching your stories, because imagine if I just start promoting a business, right? Then nobody's going to buy that because they're like, oh, he's making money already. What would he teach us, right? But if I said, I'm going to try this business, I'm going to try out FBA, Amazon FBA, and then I get my first sales. I post it on Instagram and I post my first week, first month, right? Sales. They, they saw that journey, right? And once they see that journey, they, they can relate. So being relatable in marketing is one of the most key components that you can do when it comes to like marketing on Instagram. Mm. So, so that's, that's what I think. I mean, I spend $0 in marketing. It comes through all through my Instagram. So I never posted an ad on Instagram, Facebook, or Google. I just do marketing just on my Instagram. That's it. Mm. So what tips do you have for people looking, you know, maybe who are starting to dabble into social media and mm -hmm. wanting to create that personal brand, you know, to get three to 5,000, you know, booze? That's, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, so what, what tips, what tricks, what best practices would you give for people looking to, you know, expand their, their social media presence? Yeah. So if you don't have anything to sell right now, uh, you know, just, just grow a brand. So you never know what you're going to dabble into just going a brand. I mean, if you're going to the gym every day, post, what do you eat? Uh, what are you lifting? Right. What kind of workouts are you doing? Even though you're not going to be, you know, selling a workout course. Right. But people will look up to you for giving advice, right? Um, like I said, being relatable is the most important thing I did on my social media because, you know, right now, most successful, well, yeah, they have a Lambo, they have a Rolex, but I'm not on social media every single day flexing the Rolex or the Lambo. I'll post my car that I had in 2017. How, you know, I bought my first dream car. Like I went from an Acura uh, Integra to a GTR, so that was my dream car. So I posted that. I had a picture with both of them. And, you know, right now, a lot of people, younger people that looks up to me, um, you know, they look at my content, but they want to see, like, how I came from there. Because they were, a lot of people, they see a Lambo, they're like, oh, it's daddy's money or, like, 
oh, his mom bought that, or his dad bought that for him, right? Or they had family money. But if they're able to see relatable content, they can relate to you, that's an automatic sales for you. Mm, I love yeah. that, man. And, you know, I think what you just touched on is extremely important. Everyone today just markets the end result. Yeah. You know, we, we live mm-hmm. in a society where it's a flex culture, you know, people that don't even own the cars are taking pictures and yeah. you know, making posts about it. Um, and I think people are getting so numb by that, that it literally doesn't pierce their, their consciousness. They're, they're not making any type of genuine connection. So I love what you said about showing the journey and, and not just showing the end result, but showing how you get there, uh, because that's true value, right? That's true inspiration. Yeah. You're, you're showing people the journey to hopefully inspire them when they're having a bad day to be able to relate to you and be like, oh man, you know, Mo, yes, he has this awesome lifestyle, but this is actually what it took to get there. Yeah. So that's super cool, man. So talk to us about automation, because I know that's like your current baby in terms of business. You know, you're known as the automation guy. What is automation? How does it work? And how do you how do you utilize it? So um, automation is basically um, anything you can find any business and you can automate it. Right. Right now, I currently have over 200 employees overseas in Philippines. They're actually currently working right now. I have a 12-hour shift at daytime and 12-hour shift at nighttime, right? Um, and what I do is that, for example, like for my Amazon FBA business, uh, they're doing product research, order fulfillment, customer service, all those things is that it's a lot of, it's a lot of work, right? But I looked at the difference between people I hired in the U.S. because I had U.S. employees before, and I have currently 10 right now. I had a bigger team, but I looked at how hard People work overseas uh, and you can pay anywhere between three to five hundred dollars a month. And I can almost guarantee you that they work better than the U.S. workers, because I feel like a lot of people in the U.S. are lazy and they want excuse. They want, uh, you know, too many days off and things like that. But, you know, five hundred dollars a month is basically like a banker's salary over there. And they also get 20 percent commission from every store they run. So they're able to ma- generate anywhere between, you know, $500 to $800 in commission on top of their regular pay. So, and I built the team in 2019. I had about nine people. Um, we call them virtual assistants. Uh, you can find them on Upwork and Online Jobs PH. So you can use them for like anything, to be honest. If you want, you know, work for solar, they can actually call and then get some solar leads. Uh, if you want to use them for real estate, for cold calling, you could do that too. Um, people even use them for credit repair. So for me, I use it for my Amazon automation business and also my OnlyFans management. Mm. How hard is it to set up? Because it's actually something that I've been looking into as mm-hmm. well. I don't know the exact use, but you know, I thought about hiring a PA mm-hmm. uh, you know, once or twice. So I feel like this is definitely the way Uh, to create that leverage. How hard is it to set up? What do people need to know? Or is it pretty simple? You just have to get one or two and then you can kind of figure out the process as you go. Yeah, uh, that's exactly it. You can kind of get the main person, interview them online. You could do it through Zoom or Google Meet and then see how they work or if they have previous work they can show you. That's kind of part of the interview, uh, if they qualify or not, and then go from there and take the next steps. And then you can actually pay them through those uh, websites, or you can directly pay them through PayPal. Uh, if you come to my office, I'll definitely show you uh, how to get how to get one of those. Cool. Um, it, it's, it's, it comes in pretty handy, and they do deliver uh, 100% of the time. 
Dope, bro. Yeah. No, it's uh, Philippines, right? Yeah, Philippines. Yeah. Cool. So in terms of your businesses, because I know you got your hands in a lot of pots and you're obviously creating a lot of leverage with the PAs mm-hmm. and, you know, your strategy of, you know, getting equity of people to have them just as bought into you. And I feel like you're a great delegator in terms of you're the visionary, you start it up and then you delegate and make sure things are working properly. How do you stay effective? Because we've all heard the quote, you know, you can't catch more than two rabbits at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, multiple streams of income, you know, millionaires have seven streams of income. But from what I've seen, people that normally try and chase multiple avenues typically don't end up with mastery in any of them. But it seems like you've really figured out the secret with this automation to be able to scale multiple simultaneously how do you do that and what advice would you give to people looking to create that as well yeah uh so when i first got started uh back in 2016 and 17 i did everything possible right uh and i failed um i did airbnb i tried to do real estate at the same time uh i tried to do e-commerce and what i told myself is i'm just going to focus on one because none of this is working so when i after the ATM business, I focused on the Amazon automation. Uh, one of the things that I did, you know, growing the business how it is now with mo- uh, with multiple businesses is finding that one key person for you to be your business partner and have them run everything and you can only do the decision making. So, you know, any of my business partners, I do have the right for 100% of the decision making, mm. but they're partners in equity. Uh, I think it's just finding good people that you know that will be dedicated and, you know, have their whole life have to be around the business, right? Because you're taking someone who is, you know, working a nine-to-five and giving them a giving them a job and eventually making them your business partner where they can make even multiple six figures a year. So it's just about consistency. Yeah, it's kind of like the Ryan Pineda strategy. You know, yeah. I, I've been following him and, you know, same thing. He has like seven, eight companies. In my mind, I'm like, how the heck? You know, I have one solar company and yeah. I do this podcast part time <laughs> and I do some real estate investing and I feel like I, I don't have enough time. Yeah. But I, I think you're right, man. How do you utilize leverage and why is that important? Uh, leverage uh, is... Leverage with people, leverage with resources, leverage with your, your current businesses. Because with him, I know he uses all his companies to mm-hmm. simultaneously help support each other. Yeah. Is that something you do as well in yeah. terms of like the people or are they all independently ran? So, so some of the people, let's say, for example, that are my clients, right, for my Amazon FBA business, they eventually become my client for my other businesses because you had to deliver, right? So once you deliver, you know, there's a lot of business up there. A lot, there's a lot of gimmicks by my course, by my mentorship, right? But if you're not delivering of whatever you're promising, right? People are not going to buy your stuff anymore. Yep. So once you deliver like clients and results and client, your clients are actually making money, they'll dabble into anything you go into next. So yeah, it is kind of like an ecosystem where, you know, my clients, like if they, you know, invested in an Amazon automation store, they were all, you know, some of them actually invested into getting a car with me, you know, to run a, you know, car rental business. So do you use any of the same systems and processes across your companies? Are they all independent specifically to the, their own businesses? They're all independent. Yeah. And, uh, and how I do it is through all my clients are on, on, you know, 
uh, I have I have a really good software that I use, and I also use WhatsApp to communicate with my clients. So I put all my employees and my business partner in that business within the WhatsApp chat to communicate because communication is really key, right? Um, if you don't communicate with your clients, and you know, you and me, we have I have two phones that I communicate with, and sometimes I forget to you know respond to a client, but my employees or my other business partner can reply to them. Yeah, mm, got it, man. So I know one of your main businesses is exotic car rentals. Yeah. Tell us about that. Why did you get into it? I think it's the coolest thing. You know, I, yeah. I did a little bit of car hacking a couple of years ago. I like yeah. leased an I-8 and then rented it at Ontario and it was yeah. paying for itself, making a little profit. Then I would mm-hmm. drive it on the weekends. But I, I just love the concept because in my mind, most people think that exotic cars are liabilities, but yeah. you found a way to turn them into actual assets and create a win-win. Yeah. So um, I'm a car enthusiast um you know since i grew up as a kid at at the age of 12 i knew how to do an oil change you know it's dubai right that's legit and, and you have to know how to work on cars i still don't know how to do an oil change yeah so. <laughs> it's all good i could teach you no worries uh, I got a tesla <laughs> oh there you go <laughs> so how i got started is basically you know once i started making money you know everybody buys a flex car right but for me it was like buying my dream cars that i actually wanted you know watching as a kid like you know, like I had a Lamborghini poster, you know, on my back of my bed. And, you know, all, all I thought in my life, I could afford, you know, my Nissan GTR. Um, that's why I actually became a cop. I will say with a cop salary, I could probably afford that car. And once I started making really good money, I started, you know, buying, I bought the Lamborghini and the McLaren that I have. Uh, I bought it actually the same day. Um, and kind of like, you know, I wanted to do that for myself. Um, and I had all these cars. I had a G wagon. I had a BMW i8 too that I bought. And I was like, I need to make money with these. These are just sitting assets, you know. And if I can rent it out on the week, just the weekend, it will actually generate me money. And a lot of those cars actually bought them cash, which I now, you know, sold and refinanced some of it because I invested into real estate. And that was a kind of like a dumb decision that I made because I bought all those car cash and. Now all those cars are generating anywhere between, you know, 2000 all the way to $5,000 a month and they're paying for themselves and also making profit on top. Um, a lot of people say, you know, don't get into the business because you, you will lose money. Somebody will crash your car because they're not doing it properly. Uh, one of the things that people do is they get the most expensive card, car they can afford or they can finance. Uh, for example, like if, if you're going to get into car rental game, don't get a 2022 C8 because they're going down in value and everybody has a C8 now and it's going for $150 a day and that's a $100,000 car. But instead, get a convertible Mustang that's about $25,000. You'll get anywhere between $50 to $80 a day. So I would start there, start small and grow your fleet day by day. Mm. And you could also do... You can manage other people's cars too. So it, once you started doing Turo and everything, you can have like clients bring you a car and could do a profit split of 60, 40 or 70, 30 on those cars. And then you have to write a contract, you know. Uh, and one good thing about Turo is that if anything happens to the car, they will pay for it. It's kind of like you have to show all the receipts, take it to a shop and they'll diagnose what's wrong with the car and go from there. Do you use Turo or do you use another platform where you guys own? So we do both. We do private rentals and we do Turo. Got it. Yeah. When it comes to exotics, how important when it comes to 
trying to car hack in a way where it's like, hey, I want to splurge. I want that flex car. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not trying to just take a fat L and I want to try and monetize it and hopefully, you know, not, you know, lose my pants if I try and get out of it. Do mm-hmm. I buy it cash? Do I finance it? Do I lease it? And how important is finding a good deal versus knowing what car to buy in the first place? Yeah. So when buying an exotic car, um, let's say if you, if you want to get a Lamborghini right now, I'll give you a perfect example. Let's say if you want to get a Huracan, right? And you don't want to get a 2023, you don't want to get a 2022 because they just came out and they had the same body style, you know, as the 2017 I have. And that car devalued already. So at first I would finance it. Um, I wouldn't lease it because you're just like wasting money. Um, And I wouldn't buy it cash because you're tying up a lot of of your money in it. you want to get go with like Navy Federal, or like smaller banks to finance with those because they will give you the best interest rate. Uh, I have Navy Federal right now on some of my cars. And what's the current interest rate right now? Do you know? Uh, Three point two for a car. For a car, yeah. Wow, yeah. I was just at the dealership. They're trying to get me seven. Oh, really? Crazy. Yeah, dealerships. Navy Federal. Yeah, so dealerships they they charge a lot because they're trying to make interest rate on the car on top of the bank. So I, w- I used to actually work at a dealership. So they make money three ways. Uh, first, you trade in. They'll give you a lower price so that they can sell it for a high. And then your interest rate and then your back-end money they make from the selling you the car. So it's pretty crazy. But going back to uh, financing a, like exotic car. Um, so think of a car when you buy it as, as it ages it goes in value up and down like a stock market, right? So you want to buy it at the right time. So for example, I've never bought a brand new car because I know when I take the car out of the dealership, it goes down in value, especially like Mercedes, right? It goes down like 20% in value. Uh, what do you want to do? You want to buy the car like that is three to five years old, right? Like a 2007, 2017 Lamborghini right now is going about 200K. Um, it's, a, it's a good market right now to buy that car. And if it's around 5,000 miles, you want to look at when the service was done so you don't have to service as soon as you get it. Uh, you can have the dealership do the service too. So if, and you, you want to look at the tires and get inspect from another dealership so you know the car is good, you know? And that's when is the right time to buy a car is basically to car hack is buy a car that's like three to five years old, looking at the value, looking at the current market, see what's around uh, sitting at the same price uh, and then make your decision on that and then also negotiate on the car. And are you finding most of these exotics? Are you buying them from dealerships or is it mainly private party? So uh, I buy it from a dealership here. Yeah. Got it. So you go to the bank, you get a better interest rate, and then Mm -hmm. obviously you're buying it cash from the dealership. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's dope, man. That's dope. Yeah, I feel like the the automotive game, everyone wants nice cars, but I feel like we've been conditioned that you can't create a win-win with them. Mm -hmm. But when you have the right information, obviously that makes the world of difference. Yeah. And then uh, there's also a, a car hack that you could do. You could actually buy three to five cars in a week. Um, what do you do is basically with the one inquiry, when you go buy a car, right? They're thinking that you're going to bu- just buy one car. But you go to different banks and buy three or two, five different cars within the same week. And you get approved for all those cars uh, ap- applying different banks. And it only dings your credit once. Yeah. It's cool, man. What credit hacks do you do you uh, do you have? Because I know you're you're big on credit and again automation, mm-hmm. and I feel like you just 
this whole you have a, a pulse on on all of these new concepts how important is credit and what do people need to know about utilizing it maximizing points etc um i think ha- having a credit card is good but a lot of people in this world banks bank money because of interest rate they're charging crazy interest rate 20 to 25 percent on your money right and a lot of people want to go buy a Louis bag or a Gucci bag, right? And that's the wrong way to do it. The right way to do it is spending money on those credit card to leverage a business. And then when you're spending the money, you're actually create, uh, earning points. So one of the main thing, the main hack that I do, I spend all of my bills on a credit card. Even I pay for everything with my Amex Platinum business. And I get it anywhere between two to five points per dollar spent. And what I do with that, I book my first class uh, uh, on Emirates with my Amex points, which 110,000 points. But if you buy that ticket, it's about $12,000. Now, are you transferring that to the Emirates? Because if you buy it straight mm-hmm. from the Amex portal, you're not getting that same value. Is that exactly. correct? Correct. Yeah, I'm transferring it, uh, you know, credit card. Uh, Credit card companies have that method where you can transfer it to another company if it, if it's, if they're partners. So you're able to do that. And uh, I don't recommend anybody cashing out their points because you're just like spending that on nothing. Uh, with Amex Platinum, you know, there comes a lot of benefits too. You know, if you want to get like five-star restaurants and things like that. And, you know, with points, you could do so much more. Like, for example, like right now, Amex has this thing where I get $300 Dell credit. So I could spend, you know, buy this, for example, like a Dell mic like this for $300 every three months, so which is pretty good benefits. So I recommend everyone having an Amex for sure. Totally. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so funny because you're conditioned, you know, at least I was, and I think the most of society is that credit cards are bad. You know, Dave Ramsey talks about, you know, cutting your credit cards up, but in reality... <laughs> You should spend everything on your credit cards and have the points on your credit cards pay for your lifestyle. Plus, it's just a safer way than, than swiping your debit card. Mm-hmm. Mo, how do we get the black card, man? Yeah, I'm working on that right now. <laughs> do, you, yeah. do you know any insiders? I know it's you have to spend at least, what, $300,000 a year. Is there is there any yeah. other tips or it's, trips it's, around that? Right now, it's about $400,000 a year. Okay. They increased it. Uh, and you have to stay uh, consistent for like two years. And then they, I actually have someone in Amex who actually approves that. So if I if someone gives gives me their statement from Amex and you know they didn't get invited, I can actually connect them with them so if they can get the black card. But it is over $5,000 a year for the fee. Got Which it. Is, I mean it's cool, but you know, $5,000 so, is pretty So steep. anyone yeah. out there spending 400k on your Amex, most the plug to, yeah. to get you an invite yeah. to the black card. Mo to to kind of pivot a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you've been in the entrepreneur game for a little bit, you know, started as a police officer to, to where you are now with, you know, multiple different businesses, traveling the world, living an awesome lifestyle. What's next? What's what's something big you're working on? What's something that still motivates you to get out of bed every morning and still go out there and hustle, drive and continue to go out there and dominate? Yeah, I what I want to do, you know, I'm comfortable where I'm at right now. Uh, every time I go somewhere, you know, as you heard of the saying, you know, you got to put yourself in a room where you're the smallest person and everybody's bigger than you, right? So that's what I'm trying to do right now. Network with people that are like, you know, billionaires, um, putting myself in those room because I feel like, you know, making, you know, seven figures a year is cool, but I want to get to making multiple seven figures, you know? That's where I'm at right now. And, you know, I'm doing the cold plunges every morning. Let's go. Uh, I'm also doing um, intermediate fasting, 
um, you know, five days a week. So that actually helped me a lot. Um, you know, I lost, I used to be 205 pounds. I'm at 160 right now. Um, you know, for myself, I'm actually focusing on my health this year, uh, investing into my health, a lot of money. Uh, I don't know if you heard about stem cells. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm actually going to do that procedure in Colombia. Um, uh, a couple of my friends did it and they have really good results. Um, and then just focusing on my health. And I think next year I want to make multiple seven figures. Let's go, man. Yeah. How important is your routines and focusing on your body? How big of an impact does that make on your, your business success? Uh, I mean, for example, like the intermediate fasting uh, makes me focus a lot on work because my body is going through this transition where I have no food in my system and it's actually giving me like more energy, I would say. Uh, I do high intensity workout in the morning, at least for like 15 minutes. Uh, that really wakes me up, especially the cold showers and the cold plunges. But I think it's uh, really important, like when you can stay, stay consistent also to your routine, because a lot of people give up after a few days. Yeah. What do you think has allowed you to continue to dominate on such a high level? Because I talk about balance a lot, and I'm not mm -hmm. really sure if there's a thing called balance. I, I like to think of it as harmony, as my buddy James Silva talks about. But with you operating so many different businesses, you know, you do a lot of traveling. What's some things that you are able to stay grounded and not get overwhelmed and making sure you're being effective and not just busy in order to continue to, you know, elevate these multiple businesses you run? Um, I think having a really good schedule. Um, right now, like, I, I have about, like, two assistants that puts me on a schedule every single day. So as soon as, uh, you know, I wake up, um, you know, if I missed a meeting or anything like that, they would actually do the meeting for me. And these are VAs? No, these are my assistants. Got it, got yeah. Um, I think having a really good team, it's, it's, it's really key because, you know, like I said, my business partners before, you know, I have different, if I have different calls, I would just take the most important calls I have to. And if, if there's clients and things like that, uh, my business partners would take those calls. So having a good team is really a key to stay in balance because what you want to do is like, you know, as you, you can't always like, you know, be, you know, hustling 24 seven, right? You're going to, you're going to die down, right? So I think having a good team and then if they can take care of the things for you that you won't even have to worry, they're getting, they're not doing the pro properly and they're actually, you trusted business partners, employees, and then you don't have to worry about anything. I love that, man. Uh, I think you're, you're a master at delegation, man. You know, if there's yeah. one thing I've picked up off of this interview, it's your ability to find and attract good people um, and delegate. Yeah. And I think that's allowed you to continue to scale at a high level while still yeah. maintaining a really good lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Because I'm sure you and me both know people who are just grind, 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 work, work, work. But you're not really being effective to your point because you're yeah. kind of like a battery. You know, it's almost better to get that recovery and get that rest and make sure you're practicing mindfulness. So when you do show up to all these different meetings and big business decisions, you bring your best self to it and you don't get a half, you know, charged version of yourself. Yeah, true. It's awesome, brother. My last question for you, uh, we could sit and talk about all your tips and tricks all day, but for sake of time, if Mo today, Mo Capital, could go back to police officer Mo, what do you think has been your biggest takeaway when it's come to life, business, spirituality, financials, everything from your journey from police Muhammad to Mo Capital today? So 
I would say always trust yourself. No matter what people are telling you, outside world or your family, um, my biggest like uh, advice that I would give myself is um, always believe in yourself. And if you have negative people around you, remove them. And if your family is negative, reduce your time with them because you can't get rid of family, right? So as you reduce your time, like we talked about moving out of the city, right? Um, moving out of that state will ha- definitely help you and open your mindset. So it just, you know, I have a lot of friends in back in the day, you know, that told me I wouldn't make it, I would get scammed or I, w- I would fail. But I removed all those friends because they were negative. And I put myself in rooms where they're... I, where there's business meetings or like different opportunities. And if I didn't go to those, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I always trusted myself. And then just removing negative people from myself kind of helped me a lot in my life within this 10 years. Well said, my friend. Yeah. Mo, where could, uh, where could the viewers find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, mo.capital. If you have any questions, I'd love to help. If you guys want to rent the dope exotic, Mo's your guy. Mo, Thank appreciate you, you brother. Your yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so for much. having me here. Of course. Sorry, guys. Till next time, y'all. We'll catch you on the next episode.